Here we go. Today is Sunday, September 22nd, 2019, and this is episode 237 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett. Good evening, Jerry. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing? That's the real question. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. Um, it's been about six months since my rapid unplanned disassembly of my GI track. And uh, I'm still here and kicking. That, so that's very good news. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on the road to recovery. We about a month ago we did a a pretty major surgery to start putting my bits back together, and I've got one more big surgery coming up in about two and a half months to kind of finalize my repairs and um, so right in theory in for, at that point. Right in time for Christmas, then, right? Right, in theory at that point. Um, this will be behind me, which is uh, pretty crazy to think about. It's been a year, but, you know, without getting too too heavy, I, I've since learned from my doctors that, you know, I was hours away from not making it, so I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're all happy that you made it, so good. good Thanks, man. Very good news. Good to have you but, back. you know, I'm feeling better and, uh, you know, stronger, so getting a little bit every day. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So it has been, I guess, uh, about three month, three months or so since we uh, since we did a, a show. So uh, a lot has happened since we last talked. Um, a wee bit. Uh, yeah, a wee bit. Um, let's see. Carbon Black was bought by uh, by uh, what VMware, right? Is that that right? Um, yeah. Bromium was just bought by I think HP. Yeah. That's the new news. Um, Craziness. People are there's speculation that. Uh, Symantec is going to get bought by someone. I, I'm yeah, assuming, there's a, like Fisher there's Price, a, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of VC money flowing around. A lot of companies coming out of stealth, and a lot of them appear to be cloud related, which is not too surprising. Yeah, I will tell you, as a um, you know, it, it's as a company who works a lot with cloud, there are an incredible number of startups in the cloud security space. It's, it is hard to get my head around to, to be quite honest and, and keep up with, uh, with, with, you know, the, the, the changing market in the cloud security space. So interesting yeah, times. Not, not to be sympathetic to their sales team, but imagine how difficult it is for them to get attention and try to get, you know, yeah. get their product known and their service known. And, Absolutely. but you know, it also tells me that there's a lot of need, um, you know, which I see, as well that there's there's a reason that we're seeing so much activity in the cloud security space and uh it's but it's a little wild west right now yes yes um you know i think it's uh, some of the some of the um the, the more promising players look like they're trying to you know establish a kind of a common management platform across different cloud providers. One of the issues that a lot of organizations I think have is, you know, each each cloud platform has its own, you know, idiosyncrasies and, and different 
things that you need to do in order to operate it securely. And um, so that it, it's not very scalable. And it also doesn't make sense to lock your, your business into one particular cloud provider. So, it, but it, as I was saying, it's not really scalable to have domain experts in each different you know, cloud that you might, you might use. So you're either stuck having to buy a busload of, uh, of consultants anytime you want to do something in a, in a new cloud environment, or you're going to have to rely on, on something that's going to abstract that stuff for you. So, in, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I don't, I don't know that anybody's really doing it well, to be honest. It's not a, not trying to advertise anybody, but, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you hit it on the head about abstracting, but that comes with its own dangers. Yes. And the other thing I'm I'm seeing is, you know, a lot of the cloud providers are being forced into a bit of a defensive mode on security stuff, where I, I'm wondering if if some of these cloud providers are going to have to start auditing their own customers' configurations to protect themselves when their customers screw up, because it's bad press for the cloud provider. And... uh you know, it's kind of interesting that when when a customer of a cloud provider misconfigures something or or badly configures something, sets it up poorly, there and they get you know hacked or they leak data, there is a blowback on the cloud provider that they're having to kind of defend themselves. And I wonder, you know, if they might start proactively going, well, you know, we've got to keep our own customers from being stupid. Yeah, it's it's not it is not unlike, in my mind, the issue that drove Microsoft, I think, to incorporate antivirus into their product, you know, because um, companies were just getting pervasively compromised, and I mean, home home users as well. So, uh, you know, I I think you're absolutely right. There there was a, a recent story, and it's not one that we're planning to talk about tonight, but I was just, I saw it in the news, um, one of the airlines and I think it's the main airline in Malaysia uh, had a, had a pretty significant data breach and it was the result of um, you know, again, an open S3 bucket. And um, well, at least I think that's the, that's the presumed cause of it. And, you know, the, everybody went to Amazon or the reporters went to Amazon and said, you know, what, what the heck happened? And Amazon's uh, you know response as it, consistently has been you know our platform worked as designed you know not nothing about this incident is related to the you know the operation of the aws platform and it was it, a feature not a bug yes and so they you know they kind of disavow um responsibility and and that actually kind of dovetails into the story that i want to talk about which is at this point about uh, it's it's getting to be about two months old, but I th- I still think it's worth talking about. And this is, of course, the Capital One breach that I'm talking about. Um, there there's a uh, there's a whole slew of different uh, uh, media articles about this. Um, uh, the one I've got up in front of me is from uh, Krebs on Security, and the title is "What What Can We Learn from the Capital One Hack?" And just to just to give a a, a bit of a recap, um, there was. Uh, I think it was in late July. Uh, someone notified Capital One that uh, a, a pile of their data was was uh, sitting out on GitHub, and uh, this particular G- GitHub uh, page was, 
you know, clearly owned by a particular person uh, named Page, <clears throat> and and we know we know that because Page's resume was also hosted on the same uh, the, the same GitHub site. Uh, by the way, Page was later uh, arrested. Uh, Page was a former AWS employee, just to uh, further muddy the, the waters. But there appears to be no um, particular linkage to that. She wasn't using the um, any access she had as a result of working for for uh, AWS, as far as anybody knows. Uh, but in the in the end analysis, it appears that. Uh, again, AWS's platform itself was uh, you know, working as designed. The data breach was the result of a misconfiguration. And, and actually, I would say it's a series of misconfigurations, not, not just one. And this is what I think starts to really highlight the complexities of operating in the cloud and, and why it's difficult and important to you know have those domain experts or something you know, some kind of technology that can help you, um, you know, avoid similar types of problems. But in this particular case, uh, the the attack used uh, kind of two, two, what I would say, two chained misconfigurations or, or maybe a vulnerability and a misconfiguration. Um, the, the way that Page was able to access this data and it's sitting in an S3 bucket was by using... Uh, server-side request forgery vulnerability to request from the metadata service broker in AWS a set of credentials, temporary credentials, which again operating by design, and was then was, so this SSRF request, which was kind of funneled through the application running on a, a Capital One managed server in AWS reflected this request over to the metadata service provider and provided page back apparently with the credentials who which granted access to this S3 bucket which was everything page needed to be able to to again allegedly download the data from the S3 bucket i mean at that point once you have that credential uh, you you can actually just do you can download it from your home computer right there's you don't you don't have to be inside uh, the network at that point uh so so the, you know there was a um there's a little bit of uncertainty about exactly what component was vulnerable to this ssrf attack it, some people believe that it was the web application firewall and some people believe that it was actually the uh, a, a capital one web application but because th- there was a mod security WAF in front of this environment, but mod security by default doesn't have a rule to block SSRF attacks. So again, it's a, it's a, you know, this is not a novel attack, by the way. This is actually something that, that people have been uh, grousing about, in particular at AWS, for quite some time, because it's a pretty simple um, mistake to make. SSRF attacks are are, are quite common in and easy, uh, but as we can see, you know the results can be uh, can be quite catastrophic. It's also interesting to note that um, while Capital One got all of you know I'd say not all but much of the media coverage related to this uh, event, 
uh, they weren't the only victim, the only apparent victim. I think there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30. I never heard the final number of other victims. I think uh, Honda and Ford and uh, Desk Jardins up in Canada and a number of other companies uh, had data stolen in the same, uh, apparently stolen in the same uh, same manner or similar manner. So by by the same person. Yeah, yeah. So um, so you know the. It appears that that um, that that Page is, you know, wasn't a you know a hardened cyber criminal. It was kind of, you know, I would call like chaotic neutral, maybe <laughs> type personality, <laughs> and and you know had some what what appears to be you know, according to some of the stuff that that Krebs has written, uh, kind of troubled, you know, troubled personality. And you know, basically, was poking around. Pretty smart person, and was was kind of just um, was just poking around, and very publicly talked about her, uh, you know, her exploits, um, you know, on 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 Slack and on Twitter. So, um, you know, it. it uh, <laughs> so I guess take that for what you will. So, um, you know, kind of going back to the conversation we had a couple of minutes ago. One thing that really makes me kind of concerned about cloud in general is uh, we're you know we're we're kind of starting in some ways we're starting IT over again you know we're I mean, that's that's probably too broad of a statement but a lot of the you know the the, the heritage learnings and and processes and and knowledge that our administrators and developers have accumulated over the years are only partially um, helpful in in a cloud environment. And I think what's even maybe more troubling is that it can lead, it can lead people to um, have this, this confidence that they actually understand what they're doing when in fact they don't. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new skill set in many ways. And, you know, if we really dive into this, we, we find that a lot of, a lot of the problem here was just either misunderstanding or, or, misconfigurations of permissions of the different bits and pieces of what was running in AWS. And, you know, it's very powerful and very, I guess I would say dangerous if you don't understand how all those things interact. And that's what I think we're seeing over and over again is this different skill set and people are rushing to the cloud for all of its advantages, but not necessarily knowing what all these you know, buttons do and how to protect themselves. And we know as an industry very well how to handle that. And we're stumbling in the dark and we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And, you know, what I think about is, hell, maybe somebody should just be, you know, very rigorous about auditing all of the settings on a regular basis of everything that's built, you know, to keep looking for, hey, you know, this this WAF doesn't need full read permissions of every file on the operating system. Right. You know, why is that the case? And, you know, because when developers or whomever are building stuff out, sometimes they, they don't understand the implications of these settings and it comes back to bite them later. Yeah, it, it, that's right. That's right. And, you know, in this particular case, I, I mentioned there were a couple of different different uh, things chained together. One was the fact that the WAF wasn't stopping the SSRF attacks. 
The other was that the SSRF, you know, that something in the environment was vulnerable to SSRF. And then the last bit was that the, um, you know, the, the, the apparently either the web application or the WAF, again, depending on which was which component was actually used to um, to reflect the SSRF, uh, had too much privilege. You know, so so the uh, um, the IAM uh, configuration in AWS had you know gave that role too much permission on the bucket. So there were there were some uh, interesting discussions on on different forums and whatnot about you know how how this data should have been encrypted as it sat in the S3 bucket, but someone else pointed out that um, quite likely it actually was encrypted, but AWS gives you the ability to uh, decrypt it and you can, and that decryption can be transparent by role. And so it's quite conceivable that this particular role, which was used to steal the data actually had the ability to read the data in an unencrypted form, even though it, as it sat in the bucket, it may have been encrypted. We don't know. That's a, that's, you know, yeah. purely speculation, but you but know, that is a common misconception about encryption, right? Right. If I'm coming in through an application, you know, the application needs to be able to read the data, so it's got some ability to decrypt it. So that encryption doesn't protect against a misuse of the application that's meant to read the data anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I, you know, the, I continue to to um, to be a proponent. Of of cloud in general, but I I think um, I think that as an industry, we have to come to terms with the the reality that we just fully we don't fully understand all of the nuances. And as we again we talked about earlier, you know those nuances are going to vary by uh, by provider. So for instance, Azure apparently Azure and um, and Google Google Cloud wouldn't necessarily have been as susceptible to this particular attack because they filter out the requests at the metadata broker. So, you know, you, again, but you, you know, this is kind of really down in the weeds and, and it's pretty, pretty specialized knowledge. And I think the other issue or the other concern I have with cloud is that it, it, it I don't want to say incentivizes, but it, um, it enables a, a broader, um, what's the right way to phrase this? You know, it, 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 you don't have to have, you know, storage specialists and operating system specialists and uh, network specialists and IAM specialists anymore, you know, because everything is now kind of very, um, very easily configurable. Uh, and, and so you can conceivably get away without having those uh, domain specialty skills. Uh, but that's probably not, um, you know, not, not the right way to think about it. You know, just because you can. I mean, this is this is not a different discussion than I my love hate relationship with Active Directory. You know, just because you can set it up and have it, you know, have it more or less do what you want, doesn't mean that you've done it in a secure manner. That's not going to you know end up causing lots of tears down the road. Yeah, and and you know, in Amazon's defense, they have a lot of tools that can help audit this, but you got to know how to use them. Yes. And they have a lot of functionality that could solve this. But again, you got to know how to use them. Correct. And so, well, you, not, not only do you have to know how to use them, you have to know that there's a problem here to, that needs to be addressed. 
And and I think that's one of the fundamental yeah. things. You know, it, it, and and let's let's be clear, right? Capital One is not an amateurish outfit, right? I mean, they are they probably have some of the better highly skilled people in the industry. I don't you know, don't really know what kind of organizational thing happened that enabled this this particular failure. We probably never will know. Um and it, you know, in fact, one of the Krebs articles talks about how uh, Capital One had recently poached a, um, a, a, a very bright cloud uh, cloud architect from Netflix to become the, the the director of cloud security at Capital One. So, you know, they they clearly are not. And this that was before uh, before the breach had happened. Um, you know, I don't. I guess point is right. If it can happen, to, if it can happen to Capital One, it can probably happen to many different organizations. And you know, we I think we just have to uh, kind of redouble our um, you know our, our efforts to uh, really understand the technology. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there is a, a huge potential benefit though of moving to the cloud, rebuilding with security at the core, shedding all of our technical debt, and doing it right in terms of security. Um, and a lot of companies are, because we don't hear about them, but some companies aren't. And I mean, I would just caution folks, it's not as simple as you think it is, but if you spend the time to really learn it and build the model, the security model, before you build the application, not let it get away from you with shadow IT, you can have a really secure deployment yeah someone someone was i think uh i think it was rich was it it wasn't rich mogul somebody was quoted in uh, in one of these articles saying that um you know their view is we you know we can configure a cloud environment to be significantly more secure than an equivalent uh you know traditional data center it environment but it just it takes a different skill set. It takes you know it takes longer. It takes um, you know it, it 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 just takes a different process than we might be used to. But I think that's you know that you're on a you're on a good point. This is you know just just because I I don't like how people use Active Directory and I and I and I complain about how people are screwing up in the cloud doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the underlying technology and and what it what it can do if it is, um, you know, if it's well-managed and well-designed. And I think that's certainly the case with cloud, um, you know, so, but it is the future. And, and, you know, so I, I've said this on many occasions in the past, you know, from a, from a professional, personal, professional perspective, I, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are, um, maybe not a lot, but there are definitely people who uh, are, are not, fans of the cloud they think it's you know it's the it's just somebody else's computer and you know why would you ever want to trust that but you know the reality is this is this is the future and if you want if you want to establish uh you know a place for yourself in becoming conversant and knowledgeable on how to uh, you know how to how to secure and and not only secure, but but by the way, also respond to incidents in uh, in cloud. These are kind of unique skills that that um, in some ways 
are significantly different than what we've had to do in traditional IT. So you know, yeah, get, very true. Get and on I it. would uh, I would agree. You know, most of these vendors have really good free online training. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of investing the time. And uh, you know, I used to tell all my guys back when I you know had a job and was gainfully <laughs> employed and not <clears throat> recovering from countless surgeries uh, that you know the world is changing and at least have a good working knowledge uh, because it's it's coming and it's not going to stop yeah Yeah, absolutely so anyway i think um i think we'll cut it off at that point uh good good discussion is good hearing from you again mr callet good to be heard from and always great talking to you jerry well likewise and um so hey, I um, you know I, I personally am about to be traveling for about the next uh, month and a half, but I will you know I will try as I can to um, you know to to have more of these on a more frequent basis. So uh, look forward to to speaking with everyone again. Um, and again, you know if you like the podcast, give us some love on iTunes now that we're back. Um, and for those. Uh, um, Patreon donors who are who have stuck with us, thank you very much for uh, for doing that. Yes, very much. Thank you. And uh, with that, we'll talk again real soon. So thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.